commitment for you and your family to commit to a time of prayer and uh, devotion with your family and to commit yourselves to doing uh, your best, giving everything to this uh, campaign. Also, hopefully everybody has received one of our handouts for today. If you've not received one of our handouts, make sure you get your hand in the air. Our ushers can give you a handout so you can uh, follow along in, uh, with notes and so forth. All right, so ushers move very quickly, please, for me. Thank you. Thank God for these men, these ushers who serve every Sunday and every Wednesday. Amen. Amen. Everybody has one? Everybody has one? Those of you that are watching us online, you, you can go to our uh, website. And on the Four Days of Family page, there's a banner right on the home page. Go to that page. And uh, you, there's a place for you to download today's handout. It's already there posted on the website. So you can get that and follow along in your notes with us. Amen? Amen. Today, Father, thank you so much for giving us opportunities to share this time in the word of God. I pray for every family, every home that's represented here, Lord. Whether people are single or married, divorced, separated, whatever the case may be. God, you have a plan for each and every one of our lives, plans to give us a future and a hope and expect it in, to prosper us, not to harm us. And God, you've called us, your word says you set the solitary in families because your hand is upon families. And God, even those who are, are empty nesters and children are grown, thank you that God, we're still part of families. Even this church is a family and your household is a family. So we thank you that God, your hand will be upon us through this campaign. Speak to us today from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Amen. All right, let's read Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15 before you, you take your seats since you're already standing. Let's read that today. Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. Let's read that together. Ready, read. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods... But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You may be seated today. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Today I want to talk is our first topic that we will cover in the, during this campaign is faith. Faith. And so we're talking about today the household of faith. Amen. Now marriage and family was the first institution that God established in the earth, and God is the creator of all things. And so family is the most basic component of every society. You don't have society, you don't have cultures without families. And so if families are healthy, then society will be healthy. But if families are unhealthy or dysfunctional, then societies will become unhealthy and dysfunctional. What makes up society? Schools? communities, neighborhoods, governments, churches. And so if we have unhealthy, dysfunctional churches, we could take it all the way back to unhealthy, dysfunctional families. The problems that we see in our schools, uh, particularly on the student side of it, we could trace it all the way back to unhealthy, dysfunctional families. The problems that we see in our neighborhoods. People complain about what's going on in Chicago and Atlanta and metro areas, and even what's gotten over into uh, more rural areas. Right. 
where there's violence that's on, on the rise, uh, you could trace it all back to dysfunctional families. Amen. Now, every one of us is part of a family. Every one of us is part of a family. Well, I'm single. You're still part of a family. You weren't hatched. You, an alien didn't drop you off. You were born. And you were born into a family. Uh, truth is, even hatchlings are part of a family. Amen. Praise God. And so because you are part of a family, you yourself individually bear responsibility for doing your part to build up a happy family. Oh, y'all hear me today. Everybody say, I'm responsible for doing my part in building a happy family. Hallelujah. I don't want you to look through this campaign at what your husband's doing, what your wife's doing, what your children are doing, what your parents are doing. I want you to look at you and you alone. Amen? Because I'm responsible for doing my part. So my prayer through this campaign is that we will see dysfunctionalities all give way to healthy and functional and thriving families. Amen? All right, now, a strong, successful family must have a solid foundation. The foundation for family success is the Lord God and his word. The foundation for family success is the Lord God and his word. Everything else builds on that foundation. I know this may seem like classwork, but it's, sometimes you got to go through this because we can, we can shout and we can dance and we can run around together, but we've got to nail down this family because every condition in society is directly a result of what we see in families. Black lives matter, blue lives matter, red lives matter, and so forth. No, families matter. Families matter. Because we can trace every ill of our society to the breakdown of family. In fact, I, I pray all of you should, if you haven't received one of these little uh, wristbands, I wear these all the time. Uh, this Families Matter, you'll get those this Wednesday with your small groups. Make sure you have that just to remind yourself through this campaign that what really matters is family. My family is what, what matters. Amen? So the foundation for family success is the Lord God and his word. In Isaiah 28, verse 1, in the New English translation, it says this. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am laying a stone in Zion, an approved stone, set in place as a precious cornerstone for the foundation. The one who maintains his faith will not panic. Are y'all hearing that? So God has established a foundation for society, a foundation for the church, a foundation for the family, and it's Christ Jesus the Lord. It's the Lord God and his word. Are y'all hearing me? Praise God. Praise God. Faith in God, specifically saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, is the sure foundation. I want you to write that down. That's the sure foundation. Everything else is unstable. Jesus tell us, tells a story, a parable of two men who went and built houses. One built his house on the rock, on a solid foundation. The other built his house on the sand, a shaky 
sinking, moving foundation. And when he told this parable, he said, he was saying, I will tell you, I will, I will tell you what a wise man is like. He said, I liken a wise man to the one who builds his house on a rock. And so if you build your house, your family, on anything other than the rock, than a foundation, you're building your family on shifting sands, and it will inevitably collapse. It will fall eventually. Well, no, we've been married 30 years. It will eventually fall. We've been married 50 years. It will eventually fall. Our family's been together for three generations. It will eventually crumble. Because if it's not built on the solid foundation of the Lord God and his word, then it has nothing to stand on. And when the winds of life, that's what Jesus told that parable, when the winds came and the storm came and the rains came and they beat up against that house, that house that was built on the rock, it stood. That house that was built on the sand, it fell, it crumbled. And the Bible says great was the fall thereof. Eventually it would all fall. There are names, I don't want to talk about people, but there's names like the Kennedys. Names that carry legacy in this earth. For years, generations, this name meant something. And yet, because it was not built on the Lord God and his word, it crumbled and great was the fall thereof. So my goal, this goal of the Holy Ghost through this time, is to get us to build our houses First of all, we got to have this foundation of faith. Y'all got it? And then we can build from there. When you get a good foundation, you can build a, you can build a tower, you can build a skyscraper. I was watching a documentary yesterday on, uh, on Dubai. And in Dubai, they, they, they're building the, the world's tallest skyscraper. I mean, it's, 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 it's 40% taller already than, the, than the, the second place contender in the world. But the way this, uh, it was built... They're still building on it. They, they didn't call it finished. They're still adding something like four stories. Their goal is four stories a day they're adding to it. Their goal is to reach the heavens. Sounds like Babylon, doesn't it? I'm not going in there. Look at this scripture, Psalm 127, verse 1. Says this, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Who has to build the house? The Lord. Jehovah Bana, the Lord our builder. Unless the Lord builds Bana the house, they labor in vain who build it. So people who build, now that word, that word house, I want to give you this word. In the Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word bayith. 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 Which means house. It means home. It means house as containing a family. It's a household. It's family. It's those belonging to the same household. It's a family of descendants. So when it says, uh, except the Lord build the house, it's not talking about except the Lord build your five-bedroom, five-and-a-half bath, you know, four-car garage mansion. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about except the Lord builds your family. If you don't build your family, your marriage, your life, on any, if you build on anything except the Lord God, it's doomed to fail. 
except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. Now, they're going to labor. They're going to build. They're going to try things, but the labor is in vain. Glory to God. I was, I was, I was teasing. Well, I wasn't teasing. I was actually serious. We were talking about these, you know, famous TikTokers and famous YouTubers and famous, you know, Twitter couples and famous, you know, uh, Instagram couples who have these glorious, glamorous, uh, you know, high-profile high lives that they tell everybody, show everybody how good everything is, and they portray this wonderful marriage, this wonderful life, and, it, and they, they come out, you know, and everything's wonderful. People are trying to pattern their lives after these people, these fake people. And I said, it's just almost to me at a rate of 100%. I know it's not. But it seemed like a rate of 100% that inevitably you find out two, two three years, five years, seven years later, oh, that, what happened? Oh, he, what, he, he was cheating. She was lesbian. Y'all don't get mad at that. I'm, I'm saying what, what's happening is these people building, and they, a lot of these are Christian couples. Christian couples trying to show people how a Christian marriage lo looks like, what it looks like, and yet when it, when it all... You find out they had nothing. The storm came and the house fell. The family fell. Why? Because it was built on, on photos. Photos and filters and videos and trips and vacations and it was built it was built on travel and built on I mean I mean we just saw a girl who they just found they found this girl dead here last week, right? This girl, she and her fiance traveling. You, you, already, you already know that was wrong. Because fiancés don't have any business traveling together. Come over here. Fiancés don't have any business traveling together. You're not married. They were laid up in a van. It don't matter if it's a van or a mansion. You don't have any business laying up. You, you engage. You take. The marriage bed is undefiled. Is that, is that Hebrews 13, 4? Yes. Mar marriage is honorable and all the, the bed is undefiled. So it was doomed to fail. I mean, I, 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 I grieve. Well, no, no, I don't. I don't say I'm grieving because I'm not grieving. But I, I, I'm, I, I sympathize for the family, you know, what they're going through. But, I mean, they were building this whole thing. Everybody, they, all these followers looking at, looking at their lives. This looks beautiful. Life looks so wonderful. And God doesn't want you to have a, want you to have a fake family. Oh, come on now. Come on, these people come to church and look all happy. Let me look at y'all. Come to church dressed all cute. Smiling. But boy in that car. It's World War III. In that house, it's Armageddon. And God doesn't want you living on the fake. He wants you to have the real. Y'all got this? All right, let me speed up. I got a long ways to go here. So, so unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it, okay? So a, a successful family centers around faith in God. Now, our key scripture for today, Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15, I want you to see what it says here. He says, now therefore, 
fear the Lord. This is Joshua. They, they've already crossed over now to cross over the Jordan in the promised land. And he knows his time is short. He's getting ready to leave, but he's giving some closing remarks the same way Moses did back in Deuteronomy. Now, Joshua giving some parting words. And he tells them, hey, you guys got to go ahead and serve the Lord. All right? He says to them, now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. So there's a way to serve God. Don't pretend submission to God. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. He says, now watch this, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river. That's the Jordan River. They crossed the Jordan River. Y'all got that, right? And in Egypt. So their fathers served other gods on the other side. He says, serve the Lord. Everybody, somebody say, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Now watch this. And he says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, if it seems like it's going to be a bother, a burden, too much, too restricting, too limiting, too, too boring, I got to say these words because this is how people act. And how sometimes we allow our children to act. Like serving God is some boring, monotonous, uh, restrictive thing as if serving God isn't fun and exciting. And we portray that. He says, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves this day. Whom you will serve. Tell your neighbor, you got to choose. He says, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the Jordan River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. So there were gods before you came over here and there are gods over here where you are in this new land. Serve all your ancient African gods. I'm talking to black folk today. All your little ancient African gods that people trying to get us to call up our ancestors. I'm going to mess with y'all. I'm going to keep because y'all don't like it. We keep conjuring up the spirits of our ancestors. What are you talking about? Are you some necromancer? God doesn't, that's, that's not biblical for you to be calling up the spirits of your ancestors. And that's what, that's what, uh, what's that movie? The Black, the Black Panther, that was the, that was the gist of that movie. That's why the devil released that movie on, on this earth. To get black people to go back to ancestry worship. Y'all don't like it, but I'm going to tell you what it is. See? 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 See, the devil has an agenda on everything. It's just a movie. Yeah, that's, they're all just movies. He's the prince of the power of the air. He runs media. The point of that movie is to get black folk to go back into ancestral worship. I, I mean, I would tell you to go back and watch it, but I don't want you to go back and watch it. But if you remember, everybody doing this stuff, ancestral worship, conjuring the spirits of the dead. 
See how? Y'all, y'all don't want me to tell you this stuff here. See, you, you, want, you want to pretend everything is innocent. You want to pretend everything is innocent. It is not. The devil has an agenda. And he ain't playing even if you are. Okay? So that's why he said, you got to make a decision who you're going to serve. The gods of your fathers over there that your father served, when they were worshiping snakes and... Or are you going to serve these new gods they got now, the beads and the rocks? Now, now that we've overcome, now you're going to burn sage now. Now, now you don't come up in the, in the world. Now you're, going, now you're going to do yoga now because you've come up. Now, now you're going to do veganism because you're going to come, you, you've come up now. So he's saying, so which gods are you going to serve? You got to choose. Okay. Let me keep moving because this campaign, I want y'all to quit the campaign already. He says, but as for me, as for me and my bias, that means me and my house, me and my family, me and my household, me and my family of descendants. I'm covering me and my children and my children's children and my children's children's children and my great, 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 great grandchildren to a thousand generations. I'm covering all of us. We are going to serve. We're not going to be having any kind of duality. We're going to serve. You got to choose. Are y'all getting this here? Because every human being is designed to serve something or someone. Every human being God created will serve something or someone. You don't have a choice. Well, I'm an atheist. You're still serving something. I'm an agnostic. You're still serving someone. Because that's the way God created you. You will, if if you're doing nothing but worshiping yourself, agnostics and atheists, they'll, they'll, they'll they'll be tree huggers. Save the planet. You're worshiping the planet. You're worshiping creation more than the creator. Because you're designed to worship. You can't get around it. Every person on this planet worships. I wish y'all would say something here. So you must choose whom you will serve. That's what he said in verse, verse 15. He said, choose whom you will serve. Because no one can serve two masters. Remember Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says, no man can serve two masters. You can't serve two. So that's, that's why when Joshua gave them the list, he said, either the gods that your father served on the other side of the flood, or the gods over here in this land that you dwell in, but for me, I'm going to serve the true and living God. Notice he didn't say, hey, serve those gods over there plus these gods over here. He said, you can't do it. Even if you're trying to serve the the ancient spirits and trying to serve the new age, you you can't do both. Because Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, either you're going to love one and hate the other, or you're going to cleave to one and despise the other. Because no man can serve two masters. So So what happens is, inevitably, those gods, demon spirits, vie for your attention. They vie for your affection. 
So you're going to either start hating one and loving the other or clinging to one and despising the other. Because you can't serve two. That's why Joshua said, choose. Y'all got it? Glory to God. Now, so he said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So beyond your individual devotion to God, every household must come to a consensus about serving God. Consensus is just another word for agreement. Beyond your individual devotion to God, every household must come to a consensus about serving God. Y'all catch that? Notice Joshua didn't just say, but as for me, I will serve the Lord. See, that was his individual. But he said, but as for me and my house, we will. As a leader, he's speaking for his household. We will serve the Lord. Notice he also didn't say, but as for my house, they will serve the Lord. He started with, with himself. As for me. Somebody say, as for me. That means I'm accountable for me and my decisions. But when I'm in a household part of a family, I'm insisting that my household come to a consensus, to an agreement that we will serve the Lord. So that means that, oh, glory to God. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to preach, but I forgot I got this outline here. I got to take your piece. Glory to God. Because we live in a culture where no one wants to ruffle anybody's feathers, Even children have been given the freedom to pursue their own paths. To discover their own truths. And to take their own journeys to spiritual enlightenment. I want to say that again for the camera. Children have been given the freedom, even among Christians, to pursue their own paths to discover their own truths and take their own journeys to spiritual enlightenment. But notice that's not how Joshua led his family. I said that's not how Joshua led his family. Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord for me and my seed, for me and my descendants, for me and my wife, we're going to serve the Lord. You don't have the freedom to explore your own path. You don't have the freedom to discover your own truth. There is no other truth but, the God, but God's truth. And people have given children, youth, teenagers the license to kind of come up with their own path and their own ways, their own thoughts. The devil is a liar. Oh, I said the devil is a liar. No, as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. No, you can't explore Jehovah's Witness. No, you can't explore atheism. No, you can't explore Buddhism. No, you can't explore atheism. No, you can't explore that. Okay, let me give you a scripture. In Mark 3.25, in the easy to read version, Mark 3.25 in the easy to read version, it says a family that is divided will not survive. And a family that is divided 
will not survive. It's going to fall. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. That's why you can't give children liberty and license. Write this down. Write this down. It's in your notes. Divergent devotion is not a biblical concept at all. Divergent devotion is not a biblical concept at all. What do you mean divergent? It's going separate directions. Divided. You're all at one point. We go off in different directions. Oh, help me somebody. The Bible makes no provision for split decisions. Well, I decided I'm going to be, I'm gonna be Meth uh, not Methodist, that's Christian, I'm not talking about that. Uh, I, I decided I'm going I'm to be uh, Buddhist. Well, see you. You can turn in your key right there, leave your key right on the, on the desk. <laughs> well, I, mom, you know, I, mom, I, 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 really, I realize, you know, I don't really believe in God. Well, it's okay. Just leave, leave your PlayStation right there. Leave, leave my laptop. Leave, leave my iPad. Leave my little, those, those, those are my headphones, right? Leave, leave my headphones. Leave, leave my clothes. Leave, leave all, no, you didn't buy that. See, God, God paid for that. See, so um, you got, you got to, wait, wait, mama, you going to give me some money? No, because the money's saying God we trust. You don't believe in God, so no, you just, you don't, you can't, you can't, you can't get into this because See, that's not, that's not a biblical concept, and yet, yet in this society, people are allowing, in fact, they're encouraging freedom of thought. I've raised my children to be free thinkers, critical thinkers. That's not a biblical concept. Critical thinking is not a biblical concept. Free thinking. The Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Y'all don't like that. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. I can tell some of y'all are just fuming already. See, because what we've done is we've become so intellectual since we've come up that now now generation generations of children are lost and don't know God have no desire no appetite for God I'll get to that in a minute hallelujah Give me Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6 in the easy to read version. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 in the easy to read version. Glory to God. Because God does not make provision for your family to have split devotion. Well, they, you know, they're they growing up now, you know. They're, 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 
you know, they, they, they're smart and they're intelligent and, you know, they can, they can, they can make wise decisions. No, they can't. Foolishness bounds in the heart of a child. And what you better do is bring out that rod of correction and drive it far from them. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says this. And in my Bible, uh, the, actually, he calls this the unity of the body. I want to call it the unity of the family. Look at this, verse 1. Paul says, so as a prisoner of the Lord, I beg you to live the way God's people should live. Good gracious. So there's a way God's people should live? Really? I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know there's a way we should live. I thought, I thought we lived like everybody else, right? I don't like going to church. They got them rules and regulations. Oh, no, I, maybe it's because there's a way God's people should live. Implication is it's not the way the world lives. So we don't, we don't uh, as parents and as married couples and as uh, children, we don't, we don't get to live our own way. We don't live as the world lives. We don't walk in the way the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. The futility of their minds. Because he chose you to be his. Verse 2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient and accept each other with love. Verse 3, you are joined together with peace through the Spirit. Do all you can to continue as you are, letting peace hold you together. Verse 4, there is how many? One body, come on, and and God chose you to have what? So I need you to see this for your family. So there is one body, one spirit, and God chose you and your household to have one hope. All right, I'll keep going. Verse 5, there is one Lord, come on, one faith, and what? How many lords? How many faiths? How many baptisms? Not several, not, not divergent differences and no. Boy, I'm, boy, I'm. I, I, I got to pull teeth with y'all today, don't No, there's, there's, on, there's only one way. There's only one way. There's not many ways. There's not many options. There's one way, and it's the right way. So there is one body, one spirit, one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. In verse 6, there is one God and Father of us all who rules over everyone. He works through all of us and in all of us. How many gods? One. One God. One God. Pastor, why do you talk about veganism so much? Because it's, it's, it's Hindu. Yo, why do you talk about yoga so much? Because it's Hindu. And in Hindu, there are thousands and thousands of gods. Lowercase g. And all those gods, according to the, to the Old Testament, are devils. That's what Moses called them. They're devils. That's exactly why you end up crazy, why kids end up. They ain't killing dogs. They're having sex with dogs and recording it. What you say? If they ain't killing the dogs, they're having sex with dogs and recording it. TikTok and foolishness. Yeah. To God. When I stand before God, I got an answer for my wife. Yeah. Yeah. 
Men, you got to stand before God and answer for yourself. If you're the head of household, you got to answer for your whole household. Hallelujah. There is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Somebody shout one God. That's why Joshua said, that's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's only one God. He said, you, whether you serve the gods, gods, he said, but we will serve the, the, that's a definite article, the Lord, one God. Y'all got this here. Generational prosperity. This in your notes. Generational prosperity, good success. And true happiness for your family come from serving God. Generational prosperity, good success, and true happiness for your family come from serving God. Job 36 verse 11 says this, if they obey and serve him, if they obey and serve him, they, you and your family, shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. It's a guarantee that if you will serve God and serve him only, serve God and serve him exclusively, you will spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasures. If you want to have a good life, a good family life, make sure you and your family serve God and serve him with all your might. For there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, if you serve him. Now, are y'all getting this right here so far? Yes. Now, 1 Corinthians seven fourteen in the Living Bible, because I want to show you this here, that if the adults in the house serve God, the way is made for everyone in the household to serve him. Did you hear that? If the adults in the house serve God, even just one of you, the way is made for everyone to serve God. That means somebody has to be committed to serving God. Somebody got to be the one who I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep reading the word. I'm going to keep studying the word. I'm going to keep doing what God tells me to do. If nobody else does it, I'm going to keep doing it. Look at what it says here, 1 Corinthians 7, 14, in the Living Bible. He says this, for perhaps the husband who isn't a Christian may become a Christian with the help of his what? Christian wife. And the wife who isn't a Christian may become a Christian with the help of her Christian husband. I mean, somebody got to do it. Now watch this next part. Otherwise, if the family separates, the children might never come. So what do you think the devil is after? Is getting the family to separate. Because if the family separates, the children might never come to the Lord. 
Some of you may have children grown and gone, as we call it, and they do not serve the Lord. They do not know him. I want you to release your faith during this 40 days that God, somebody ought to say something to me, that God, by his spirit, by his power, by his love, by his grace, will grab and seize hold of those children because they may not be in your house, but they are still part of your household. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed the bias. They are still part of your household because they are still your descendants. And you have a right to expect God to save everyone in your household. I wish y'all a shout or something. Too many of y'all got children that's not saved and y'all looking at me like I'm talking strange. Too many of y'all praying for your children and I'm, I'm giving you a word right now. Believe God and I don't mean one day, one year in 2025. I'm saying in these 40 days that God will save your wayward, lost, unsaved children because they're part of your household, even if you didn't do it right. Even if you didn't raise them right. Even if you didn't know the Lord when you had them in your household. God is able to retroactively because God is not bound by time. God's not bound by your watch. God's not bound by your calendar. He can reach way back and bring your seed up with you. Somebody shout, my household shall be saved. United family may in God's plan result in the children's salvation. So you can have a household of faith. You can have a household of faith. In Acts 16, let me show you a couple of examples of household of faith real quick. Man, let me, I gotta, I gotta speed up. Try not to preach. <laughs> Trying to just give you this. Acts 16, 31. So they said, believe, this is the Philippian jailer after uh, Paul and Silas had prayed and praised God and God rocked the jail. Yes, sir. And now the, he, he's, he's going, the Philippian jailer is going to take his own life. And they said, ho, ho, don't do it. We're here. We're good. And he said, they, they said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your, you and your what? Verse 32. 32, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, verse 33, and he took the, them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized, verse 34, now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all, all his household. Somebody say household of faith. Household faith. Acts chapter 18 and verse 8. Acts chapter 18 and verse 8. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household, and many of, of the Corinthians having or hearing believed and were baptized. Somebody say household. household. 
one of my favorite scriptures, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 15. So 1 Corinthians 16, verse 15. Early in that chapter, in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul says, I baptized the whole household of Stephanas. He said, I don't remember who else I baptized, but I baptized Stephanas and his whole house. I remember because I baptized his whole house. Now look at verse 15. He says, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanas, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they, that they, that's the whole household, have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. King James says they were addicted. They became ministry addicts. Some of y'all never encountered an addict, but an addict must do whatever it takes to get what they crave. And the Bible says this whole household of Sophonas, they were addicted to ministry, which meant you didn't have the husband and the wife or the father and the mother going off to serve and the children staying home playing video games. You didn't have the husband serving God and the wife complaining about how, how much time he's spending at the church. It, it just amazes me. How many couples I've seen come through this church? They don't stay long because they're not together. See a woman pray. I, God, I, want, I, want, a, I want a godly husband. I want a husband that loves God and serves God. And the husband, all of a sudden they get married and the husband starts loving God and he starts serving God and he starts serving in ministry. And before you know it, the wife starts complaining. He's spending too much time at the church. What is wrong with your crazy self? You pray for a husband that will love God. You pray for a husband that will serve God. And now he's doing it, you're jealous? What is wrong with you? But notice it says, this household, they were devoted, they, to ministering to the saints. Y'all got this here. I believe, God, that God will raise up households in this church. That the whole household is addicted to serving God. Addicted to ministering to the saints. To ministering to the saints. That means you're serving in ministry. I got to be involved. I got to put my hands in the plow. I don't just come and sit and look and enjoy and that's nice. No, I got to do something. The whole household. My wife and I purposely raised our children that way. From the time they could walk, anytime we were here, they were here. Y'all, y'all just... Every time we were here, they were here. Yes. Running around, doing something. Yes, when the men come down here and work, I didn't leave my son home. No. 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 When the men come down here and work, I didn't leave my son home. You come here and you're going to work too. Because we're ministry addicts. Besides that, you learn something. You learn how to swing a hammer. You learn how to use a lawnmower. Learn how to use a rake. We got boys and young men that don't know how to do nothing. Okay, let me get back over here. They don't know the difference between a hammer and a rake. Oh, they're trying to hammer with a rake and rake with a hammer. 
I mean, I think I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just, just we need this kind of stuff here. Because we got so many boys who there's no daddy in the house or they live in an apartment where the maintenance man come do everything. Now all of a sudden they get a flat tire. I mean, what, 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 in the, what in the world? Our girls have a choice. Something going on down here, you come on down here. You're going to help out. Why? We're feeding in them that appetite, that desire for the things of God. Y'all don't like it, but, but it's, it's going to help you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Your household can become a household of faith. But for this to happen, some things must be established. All right, here we go. We're at the end here. Number one, the family must agree that God is the beginning and source of everything. Your family must agree, my family must agree that God is the beginning and source of everything. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God. Period. In the beginning, God. Don't let them get caught up in evolutionism and Darwinism and what, what schools want to tell them. Y'all ain't saying much to me. Don't, don't let them get caught up in this foolishness. Well, that's, that's the science. My science teacher said that, and we, we, you, we crazy for believing in God. Your, your teacher crazy. They look at the pastor like the pastor crazy. The pastor ain't crazy. Your teacher crazy. Your, your, your pastor ain't stupid. Your teacher's stupid. It's the fool who says in his heart there is no God. God is the beginning. Say he's the beginning. And he's the source. Because the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So everything we see was created by God. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And without him nothing was made that was made. John 1, 1, 2, 3. You, 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 nothing was made without God. He is the source of absolutely everything. How many of y'all believe that? Teach your children that. My wife and I make a point to question everything that they read. Every thought that they have, even when they get it from science, I challenge it. See, what we've done is we've let science challenge the word. But no, 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 no. No, I'm going to let the word challenge science. Because if the science doesn't match the word, I stick with the word. 
and I don't allow my children. And they, you know, they're at an age now where they, they think and they're into intelligent and trying to be intellectual and they get this information. I don't care about your information. Uh, I'm going back to the word of God. God made the heavens and the earth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, what does the word say about that? Well, let's find out what the word says about that. See, because when I make him now the source of everything, then now I look to him for everything. And I don't look to anyone else for anything. And when you let you, you and your family start looking to other sources for something, what they call resources, then you'll lose sight of God. You'll lose sight of miraculous power. You'll, you'll come down, crash down to natural living. I'm trying, Brother Thomas. Good to see you. So the family must agree that God is the beginning and the source of everything. Number two, the family must agree that God's commandments are binding and non-negotiable. Woo-wee. The family must agree that God's commandments are binding and non-negotiable. In the 20th chapter of Exodus, it lists what are called the Ten Commandments. And some our society has made these ten suggestions, ten recommendations, and not ten commandments. It's interesting because over the last 18 months, that when the CDC and Fauci have made recommendations, people have taken them as commandments. Is that crazy? Suggestions people have made have been taken by other people as commandments. And yet what God calls commandments, people have made suggestions, recommendations that they can take it or leave it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But these are Ten Commandments. Now, what's interesting is this. How many commandments are there? These ten. Now, we know there are 600 plus other laws, ceremonial laws, but the moral law we know is the Ten Commandments, right? That's my Bible school students. In these 10, in the moral law, 40% of these law, of these commandments, deal directly with our relationship with God. 40% of them, 4 out of the 10, the first four of them lay a foundation for how you and I relate to God. The other six are six separate commandments, but these top four run back to back to back with each other. Number one, he says, you shall have no other gods before me. He said, you shall have no other gods before me. 
That's a commandment. Know that God's before me. Now, what's interesting is that when we say before, we think of for in our vernacular, meaning ahead, which means I can have God's beside or God's behind. I can have other things. No, the word before is a Hebrew word, panim, which means presence. Which means God says, don't have any of the gods in my presence. Okay, now let me help you. This is because somebody's saying, well, I don't bring, bring my other gods to church. Uh, let me, let me, sh- he is omnipresent. Omnipresent means God is everywhere at the same time. All the time. So when he says, don't have any other gods before me, that means don't have any other gods, period. (laughs) David said in Psalm 139, verse 7, he said, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? It's the same Hebrew word, panim. I can't get away from you, God. That means you can't be in school and God's not there. You can't get on the road and go to Orlando, Miami, Atlanta, and God's not there. You can't go down in a boat, in a submarine, and God's not there. You can't hide on a side street and nobody knows your car, and God's not there. He's everywhere at the same time, all the time. You can't flee from his presence. So he says, don't put anything else before me. So God requires us to serve him and him alone. Number two, it's in verse four through six. He says, you shall make for yourself, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Uh-huh. Any likeness of anything that's in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or, any, or anything that's under the water, the water underneath the earth, in other words. He says, don't go fashioning some idols. He said, because those are created things. What sense would it make to worship a created thing and not worship the creator one time in the book of Isaiah, God just outright laughed at the children of Israel. He said, help me out. He said, God said, help me out. How is it that y'all go get a tree that I made, cut it down, and you take half of it and give it to the woodsman to carve out an image? He said, and you bow before that image, bow into that image on the ground, he said, you take the other half of that, of that tree and you burn it, put it in a fire to keep yourself warm. He said, what sense does that make to take what I made and worship it instead of worshiping me? And yet people are endorsing worshiping rocks and beads 
flowers and trees, cows. Let me keep going here. The third one, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. In other words, he's, God is saying, I'm requiring reverence for my name. Which means you and I can't fling his name around. Y'all better help me here. You better hear me here. Reverence for his name. This is God saying, don't take my name in vain. My name in like Jenny and Pete, Ed and John. My name ain't that. My name is Jehovah. Yahweh. El. Don't play with my name. Hallelujah. Jews to this day won't even say the name Jehovah. They won't spell it out. They won't spell out Yahweh. And yet in our culture, because we are so free-spirited, we throw out God's name, Jesus' name, in little jokes. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. And little jokes and little, little, little funnies that we make. <laughs> and God is saying, that's the most powerful name in this universe. You going to play with that? And what's happening in this culture is the, the, the media and entertainment world, they have made fun of Jesus. They've, they've thrown mud on his name. And because they have no regard for it, and then we immerse ourselves in their entertainment, now all of a sudden we lose our regard for his name, for his majesty, for his honor and for his glory. And it becomes mundane to us. Like we say in Liz. And yet his name is the name that's above all names. God dog. Well, who would come up with that? But a devil. Jesus H. Christ. Who will come up with that but a devil to get us to lose reverence for that name that can heal you? That can deliver you. That can set you free. So we don't joke with it. In the family and with our children, don't know. Pastor, what always got to do with my family? It's because God is requiring you and your family to be a household built on him and his word. Yes. I mean, do you want to be successful or not? Because yes. if not, just get bail money put aside.
Okay, watch this last one. I'm on number two. Watch this last one on, on number two about those four commandments. Watch this one. Watch this one. Watch this one. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? It's in verse 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Oh, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Well, Pastor, we're, we're not Sabbath keepers. That's the, that's the problem. Well, we're not Seventh-day Adventists, and we're not Jewish. And we don't have to keep the Sabbath. I understand you're not keeping, you know, the Sabbath is Saturday. In Spanish, we call it Sabado. Saturday is a Sabbath, right? But you and I, we're in the New Testament church. The New Testament church, they worshiped on the first day of the week. Sunday. So if all the people want to beat you up for worship on Sunday, you're going to hell for worship on Sunday, tell them, go back and read your Bible. Paul told them, when you be gathered together on the first day of the week, why do they do that? Because Jesus Christ rose on the first day of the week. So the New Testament church was established on the first day of the week. So for us, that becomes our Sabbath. Well, pastor, isn't Jesus Christ, has he given us the Sabbath? Every day is the day of rest? Yes. But he designed the Sabbath day for us as a day of worship and rest. Two things he commanded, that you come together as a family. There's a day your family sets aside that you worship and you rest. Oh, y'all don't like this. There's a day as a family he's commanded you, you come together and you worship and you rest. Oh, but now we got so many things to do on Sunday or whatever our day is. No family dinners. No family time. Kids today, they, when they, not just kids, grown-ups. Time for dinner and everybody spread all over the house with a plate in the room, a plate in the den, a plate in the living room, and a plate. You're not Sabbathing. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not how you do it. Listen to me, listen to me. Bring your family back together. Sit at the table like human beings. Eat together. Put the phones down. Put the iPad down. Talk to each other. Talk about Jesus. What's wrong with the world? Look at your house. I don't mean your house. I'm talking about the house. The house. What has happened to families? Separated. And there's no set day that we all just get together. I was so blessed to hear Dr. Leroy Thompson talk about this a couple weeks ago when he was preaching in, in Chicago. Talked about how... how uh, at his house, 17 of them get together every single Sunday. Every single Sunday. Three sons, his daughter, 
all their spouses, all their children, along with Dr. Thompson, his wife. 17. Every Sunday in one room. I mean, you, you know, he's got a big house, you know, big house, big table, big, big dining room. There's not, you know, half people in the living room, half people in the dining room, half people in, you know, this at the table. Well, that's, that's just old. That's right, babe. That, that's, why, that's why a lot of stuff gone under your nose. You have no clue what's going on in children's lives. Because you let them eat on the floor like they're little, they're no floor. Then you want to take them to a restaurant and they don't know how to sit down at a table. This stuff they learn at home. Oh, don't, don't, don't come around here. They're supposed to learn this stuff at home. How to sit down, how to hold a knife, how to hold a fork, how to hold a spoon. Not like gorillas. He's watching kids stabbing food. You know why? Because nobody sat down at a table for a meal and said, this is the salad fork. What's that all about? It's the Sabbath. It's a day he said, keep it holy. That means you set aside time for your family to worship and rest together. Okay, all right. Now, don't look at me like I'm taking too long. Y'all don't like dancing and running around. That, that was y'all. That was y'all running around, dancing, shouting. No, you're looking at me funny. <laughs> yeah. So now remember what I said for this section. His commandments are binding and non-negotiable. Binding and non-negotiable. Binding and non-negotiable. That's why I tell people, hey, your job schedule you to work on Sundays. We need to release our faith for that. Because just because they've forgotten the Sabbath doesn't exclude us from the commandment. When I say they, I mean the world. See, so you and I got to release our faith. And I've watched God do it over and over and over again. People who, 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 who wanted it. I said people who wanted it. And some people, they just think, well, that's, that's just the way they schedule. You got to work it. You ain't got to work nothing. See, the problem is you come down a natural. You, not, you forgot you serve God. God is superior to your boss. He's superior to your scheduler. And when God had them serving at keeping the day of the day of Sabbath, keeping it holy, he said, nobody in the house worked. Your servants didn't work. Everybody gets a break, because we all gonna come worship. And we all gonna rest. Let me get to the last one because 30% of y'all slept already. <laughs> 
like I'm not talking to you. Number three, the family must agree to serve God entirely and exclusively. The family must agree to serve God entirely and exclusively. Entirely and exclusively. Now, I'm preaching this today because this is what you got to agree on at the top of these 40 days. That we're going to serve God entirely and exclusively. Deuteronomy 6. I want to read this here. Let me let you go. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now notice when he says with all, he's saying the entirety of your being. All your heart, all your soul, all your strength, you must serve God entirely. That means you're giving God everything. I'm withholding nothing from God. Hallelujah. We sing songs like God is my everything. Is he really? What can God demand from you? But when he has your whole heart, soul, and mind, and your strength, then he can call for anything. And you'll give it to him. You'll do it for him. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Notice that that's not only with entirety, but it's also exclusivity. Because if he gets all of it, then there's nothing left. What God is saying is, I'm requiring you to get rid of anything else that would detract you or distract you from me. I'm going to help you with this here in a minute. I'm I'm closing. I'm closing. Look at verse 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Where? Should be in your heart. So he's talking to the grown folks here. They should be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. It means it's got to be in your heart first, and then you teach it. Now notice what, watch this. I want you to see this. Teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. That's not like all the time. All the time time talk about the Lord. All the time talk about his word. All the time talk about Jesus. All the time talk about his will and his way. All the time. Some children never hear their parents talk about the Lord. To them or even around them. I'm talking about right up in here. And yet we're commanded. Well, I don't know why, I don't know why so so act a certain way. Because you you forgot the command. Boy, boy, boy. Do we already get the offering?
I just want to make sure that I do it. <laughs> okay, I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't read the rest of that. I won't read the rest of that. I will just, I'll just stop it at verse 7. Verse 7. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk to them when you sit in your house and when you, lock, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Now, Remember the command was, you shall love the Lord your God. You, sh you shall love. Now God is telling the children of Israel through Moses, you shall love me. In other words, <laughs> watch this. Your love is not automatic. If so, he wouldn't tell them that you shall do it. I know this is too simple for some of y'all, too deep for other people, but I need you to hear me. You shall love the Lord your God. It's not automatic. It's not a given. It's not, it's not just natural. That's why it says with your heart, your soul, and your strength, because you have to make yourself love him. Which means this is not some natural just thing that just happens. He, not, I know y'all read this verse about you know it. Just listen to me for a moment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your strength. He has to tell them to do it because it doesn't come natural to them what he's expecting. You're not born this way. That's why he says you got to teach this to your children. Because your children are not born loving God. They're born cute and they're born innocent, but they're born in sin. And so are we. So this, this level of loving him it's not just a natural thing that comes automatically. Even when you got saved, you didn't get saved because you loved God. You got saved because God loved you. That's why the Bible says that when we do love him, we love him because he first loved us. So what happens is you and I, that to know him is to love him. And to love him is to serve him. See, so you, don't, you can't serve him without loving him. You can't love him without knowing him. Loving is not automatic. And if loving is not automatic, then serving is not automatic. That's why, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. That's why when we read Joshua 24, we were at verse 14 and 15. But if you keep reading, the people said, okay, Joshua, we, 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 we will serve the Lord. He said, no, you won't. He said, no, you won't. That's hard. That's what that pastor told him. You're not going to serve him. You know, Joshua's their pastor. I understand how he feels. 
They say, oh, yeah, okay, Josh, we're going to serve him. He said, no, you won't. But I'm, I'm telling you, here's what's going to happen if you do. Here's what's going to happen if you don't. See, that, that is Joshua 24, verse, verse 21. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. He said, no, no, you won't. You're not going to serve him. <laughs> See, because to serve him, you must love him. And love is not automatic. Oh, I love God. Prove it. Because the only love he accepts is entirety and exclusivity. Y'all ain't saying much to me. The only love he accepts is if it's with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. He doesn't accept part-time love, halfway love, sort of kind of love. He that's, not, that's, not, that's not love he's talking about. The only love he accepts is you got to be full-fledged, full home. You got to go all the way. Sold out. So, now watch this. I'm, I'm going to close here. This word love, I didn't give this to the media. Just listen to this. This word love is the Hebrew word ahab, ahab. Watch what it means. It means to develop an appetite and affection for God. To develop an appetite and affection for God. Listen to me. That means that an appetite for God is not automatic. An affection for God is not automatic. It must be developed. So, parents, it's our job to create an appetite for God. It's our job, oh Jesus, to create an affection for God. That's, you're right, our number one job is to create in your children, our children, a hunger for God. Because no one is born with a hunger for God. Well, Pastor, how do I create a hunger for God? I expose them to God all the time. More than Disney World. It's amazing people take their children on trips to Disney World and Bush Gardens and Sunken Gardens and everywhere else in the world, but, but won't go to a conference somewhere. Did he just say that? Take trips and cruises all over the world, but won't get in a car and go to anybody's conference and expose them to the word. So what you've developed is an appetite and a desire and a passion for entertainment and no, no passion. I'm, I'm going to get up because this is my church. And no passion for God. Get mad at me. I'm, I, I'm just telling you. So you want to know, well, how come now not they're 16, now they're 17, now they're 22, and they don't, they don't, they don't want to serve God? Because you've not given them any appetite for God. You know, there are some children who grow up, all they eat is French fries and chicken nuggets. Now you're going to come and try to give them black pea, black beans and okra and, and they don't want that stuff. You can bring them spinach and kale and you can bring them some good sirloin steak. They don't want no sirloin steak, they want chicken nuggets. Because that's the appetite you've given them. That's all you've given them. Yes. 
We're not going to sit down and watch somebody preaching, but we'll sit there and watch Netflix all night. We'll watch Hulu and all the stupid, 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 doggone stupid movies they keep putting out. But won't sit down and watch what pastor preached today. You know the problem? It ain't your kids, it's you. It ain't the kids, it's you. Because you don't have an appetite. You don't have an affection. And then, because he says, you got to have it, then you teach your children this. You got to have it first. Pastor, you angry? Yes. Because I've had enough of seeing our children going to hell in a handbasket. Because you ain't taught them nothing. Now they cussing like the world. Now they fornicating like the world. Now they smoking like the world. Now they drinking like the world. Dressing like the world. Well, how did that happen? How did I, I had them in church. I had them in church. I had them in church. Not at your house. You don't train them in church, you train them at home. Pastor, what do I do if the kids have an appetite for everything else? And not for God. Is it too late? Nope. You flush it out. You flush it out. How do I flush it out? You pour in mega doses of the word. Could you commit over the next 40 days to not Hulu it, to not Netflix it, to not... Could you commit over the next 40 days to take the time with you and your family and read these devotional scriptures that you have to read every single day? We're going to pray together. We're going to seek God's face together and see what God says for our family. Could you do that for 40 days? That could change your life and your family's future? But they may not like me. be boring to them. Well, tell me how much fun hell's going to be. You're concerned about their entertainment and not their future, not their soul. Husbands and wives, don't, for the next 40 days, can you not argue? Can you, can you not fuss? Can you not fight? Can you, can you take time to spend in the word of God and let God saturate your spirit with his spirit? Can you let him saturate your spirit with his word? Can you spend 40 days just before God hearing his voice, hearing his voice and letting him hear your heart? At the chance that it might change your life. If you want to have a household of faith, 
you might have to make a hard turn. A hard turn. Pastor, you said some rough stuff. I did. I did. I did. And I meant every bit of it. I meant every bit of it. You know why? Because I love you. I love you, man. I love you, man. I'd rather you be mad at me and your family begins to excel. You get a turnaround and God moves your life dynamically. Then you like me and everything great and I'm burying one of your children. Household of faith. That's what I plan to see. I'm expecting to see in this church households of faith. Families addicted to ministry. How many people are with me on that? Let's close out. Oh, man, I didn't know you were still here. Oh, praise God. Lord, thank you today for this time. Thank you for the word. Thank you for your spirit. I thank you, Father, that, Lord, you didn't let me just go through this script. For, you know, there are things that must be said, must be spoken to shake your people up out of an apathy that keeps giving room to the enemy to work. That's not your desire. God, why? God, I know if your people could only, could only see your plans, if your people could only see what you have in store for those who love the Lord. Your word says, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into the heart of those, into the heart of men, the things that you have prepared for those who love you. But God, what you're calling love for us is with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our strength. That God, we make you exclusively our God. And we make no room for any sort of splits and waywardness. We don't even tolerate wayward talk. We don't Forgive us for giving children the liberty to ask all kind of questions because we've heard the world say that's intellectual. It's not what your word said. Your word said your word only allows for us to think your thoughts Walk in your ways. That's what you said in, our, in Psalm 32. When you said that you would teach us and lead us in the way we should go, you would guide us with your eye. And you said to don't be like the horse or the mule 
who have to be bridled, have to have a bit in his mouth or else it will not come. So, Lord, there's a way you're taking us. Prosperity, good success, happiness. These things you want us to experience because we are the models on this planet of the family of God. And so, Lord, I am praying today that every person the sound of my voice, hear those watching online, that they allow themselves to get past whatever anger or whatever they may have about me and hear your heart and my heart. Father, now is the time. Now is the time to grab our families, husbands and wives and children and even those who are single, but they have families. They have mothers and brothers and sisters. That God, you want families to be blessed. Even before you now, I repent for the, even the way I've handled my family, my brothers and my sisters, my loved ones, and I humble myself before you and ask you to forgive me because God you're concerned with generations and families and legacy God the people that we need to reach out to people that maybe we cut off prematurely but God there are people that we can have a great influence in these last days in their lives. So I pray that you reconnect brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts and cousins and relationships that need to be reconnected. I know there are some that need to be severed. But God, there are some that you will reconnect and reestablish because you have a great plan for families. And God, I speak that generations will serve you, will walk with you, and experience all your goodness and blessings in our lives. That's our prayer. It's our desire. We believe, receive it now as ours. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. and amen. Praise God. Give God a praise today.